Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Fran Coombs is the managing editor of the U.S. National Rasmussen Poll, and his commentary last Wednesday was headlined, Get Over It, GOP, Trump's the Nominee. So I had a conversation yesterday with Fran Coombs, and that was right after Thursday's GOP debate in which Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz, of course, uh, tag-teamed Donald Trump. And how did that turn out? And will that, in fact, affect Super Tuesday? Nobody knows yet, but Super Tuesday is the biggest U.S. primary day coming up on Tuesday of next week. Close to 600 delegates in play. If Trump wins that, he's basically home free. Have a listen to my conversation with Fran Coombs, the managing editor of Rasmussen Poll, in the United States. And at the end of it, there's an interesting little twist. I'll tell you about that when we get to the end. Have a listen. Fran, your column, uh, Get Over It, GOP, Trump is the nominee. Make the case, please. Well, I I just think that Trump has has attracted a solid base of supporters that I, that it's difficult to imagine are going to be swayed by any kind of plan, if you will, or rhetoric from more of candidates that they view more as establishment. And, uh, and, and I, it is difficult for me to believe that if somehow Trump is knocked out of the race, that those people are going to be that a Rubio, say, or a Cruz is going to be able to get Trump's votes. Uh, so it seems to me, as far as the Republican Party is concerned, that it's, it's pretty much Trump or else. Uh, but as we know, that's a pretty difficult pill for the establishment Republicans to swallow. Right. Now, we're, we're recording this on Friday. So uh, last night, there was the debate, the lively one. I actually felt sorry for Wolf Blitzer a few times. What about that debate? Does it have the uh, the potential to change the equation before Super Tuesday? Uh, this coming Tuesday, it's, what is it, 600 delegates? It's, yeah, it's, it's yeah, approximately 595 Republican delegates, uh, almost half the number you need to get the nomination. And... Um, Roy, you know, it, it, I think there. Uh, my sense is there's not enough time, but who knows? I mean, this, this, this campaign has pretty much rewritten the rule book. Uh, could the numbers change dramatically between now and Tuesday? Perhaps. Uh, I find that hard to believe. However, I think, as I was just saying, that Trump's core of supporters are so hardcore and are so anti establishment, if you will, that it's difficult to me to believe that all of Marco Rubio's one-liners in the world can sway their point of view. So uh, the GOP establishment is terrified of a Trump victory. Um, you wrote that. So let's, let's look at that for a moment. Do Trump's numbers suggest that he cannot win the general election? And I, I ask myself, who knows what he could do to Hillary Clinton? He very effectively took Hillary and Bill Clinton out of an attack on him already. After Hillary accused Trump of being sexist, right? Well, as he said, I mean, he cited that last night, of course, and as he said to the others, he said, "Look, I haven't even started on her yet." Uh, so, again, I think my personal feeling is is that if Trump can get by the palace guard of the Republican Party, uh, that he's got a very good chance of beating Hillary Clinton. Uh, we've we've surveyed a, a head-to-head matchup twice with them in the last four months. Both times they've basically been tied. Uh, but I think again. Trump, Trump is not easy for the Democrats to pigeonhole. They, they have been very successful in recent years by painting the Republicans as racist, anti-woman, anti-gay, 
things like that, to pr- pretty much tag them on the social issues, which just kills the Republican candidates on voters under 40. They, they have, they're going to have a very difficult time pinning that tail on Trump. Uh, he just, you know, he's not jumping through the usual social conservative hoops uh, that most Republican candidates do. Uh, and that's why, you know, I, that's why I was saying earlier, I mean, Rubio, okay, let's say for the sake of discussion that Rubio defeats Trump and gets the nomination. I think it's unlikely, but let's say it happens. The, the Democrat, it's going to be business as usual. The Democrats are going to turn their guns on the Republican nominee, Marco Rubio, point out his social conservative agenda, and voters under 40 are going to flee him uh, like an exodus. Well, let me stay with Rubio for a moment. If he trails in Florida, as that state's primary becomes close, his home state, do you think Senator Rubio will have to pull out of the GOP nomination because he's young, because he'll have other opportunities to run for president, and losing his own state by double digits to Donald Trump, wouldn't that be disastrous for his future ambitions? Well, for those of us who remember, we remember when Bill Clinton gave a speech, I believe it was the 1988 Democratic Convention, that was so long-winded and terrible that people were writing for days afterwards that that was the end of the young governor of Arkansas's political career. Uh, we know that within four years he was back as the Democratic nominee. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I don't think that Rubio staying in and losing his state by even by big numbers is necessarily a disaster for him. Uh, and I think also you've got to consider there's a lot of big money from these more establishment type uh, PACs and and the establishment members of the party who do not want Donald Trump to be the nominee. Uh, are they willing to keep bankrolling Rubio? Does he have the ambition to keep fighting? We'll see. I mean, obviously, the numbers after Super Tuesday, the numbers are definitely could potentially be very strongly against him. So he may just, you know, he may just decide, hey, look, it's time to pull out and stop getting beaten to death. Uh, but I don't think that Florida, in and of itself, uh, or even polls going into Florida in and of themselves, are enough to make him stop running. Fran, walk us through, please, what your Rasmussen Weekly Trump Change surveys have shown has developed in the United States among Republican voters from the beginning when they didn't really give him much of a chance or there wasn't really tremendous enthusiasm for Donald Trump to where we are today. Right. Well, we we started the survey. Trump actually got in the race in June. And at that time, uh, it was, was, as I recall, it was 27% of Republicans and 23% of all likely voters said he was likely to end up as the nominee. Okay, so roughly a quarter of both Republicans and all likely voters said he'll be the likely nominee. By August, Trump, there was clearly something going on with Trump. We were seeing, we were, we were seeing reactions to uh, some of his positions that people thought would be death to a normal candidate, and in fact, shooting him up in the polls. Well, anyway, we, so we started doing this weekly Trump, Trump chain survey in August. And the latest one that we just released this morning, okay, we've gone from 27% of Republicans in June of last year said Trump was likely to be the nominee. Now we have 81%, okay, a, three, a, a, a threefold increase. 81% of likely Republican voters now believe Trump is likely to win the nomination. Uh, those are the highest findings to date. Among all likely voters now, 70% feel Trump is likely to be the Republican nominee. Um, that, that, those are up. Those are the kind of numbers we've seen from the Democrats on Hillary Clinton, uh, and and in fact continue to see from her. I mean that's why we've always kind of scoffed at the Bernie Sanders thing because when you look at the numbers nationally, Hillary has always been far and away uh, the candidate the Democrats think is going to end up as the nominee. 
Um, so Trump is, uh, you know, it, you know. So you've got eight out of ten Republican voters now who think he's going to be the nominee. Hmm. That's big. <laughs> that's huge. Yeah, that's you know. So can Marco Rubio turn it around in four or five days? Mm, don't know. You, I uh, found this very interesting. You wrote in your commentary that Jeb Bush's super PAC will continue to attack Donald Trump even though Jeb is out of the race, and it got me wondering whether the GOP maybe is hoping somehow to resurrect Jeb Bush's candidacy. Yeah, well, when I say Jeb Bush's super PAC, I mean this, uh, you know, I think I the name of it is, escapes me now, it's Rise Rise to America or something like that. And um, it's it has been supportive of Jeb Bush, but basically it is supportive of a more moderate to conservative Republican candidate. So Jeb Bush being out of the race, they they have no problem throwing their support behind Marco Rubio. Uh, I mean, but but the key mission of that pack and some of the others is just to tear Trump down. Uh, I mean, they're, they're because again, they have to be very careful with these packs, not to link too closely to the candidates anyway. So the the mission here is basically tear Trump down so that a Rubio or perhaps a Kasich. Uh, could emerge as the nominee. Well, I wanted to ask you about Kasich. He's hanging in. Uh, we'll be heading toward uh, Michigan and his state of Ohio in the not-too-distant future. Is there uh, potential for Kasich? Is there potential for a Trump-Kasich ticket? Well, that, that's my, that, that was kind of the thing I went out on the limb uh, on this week. I, I am intrigued by the thought of a Trump-Kasich ticket. It's very interesting to see the body language between those two. Kasich was the first of the other candidates to really go after Trump. I believe it was the second debate. And Trump just slam-dunked him. Uh, I mean, you know, Kasich basically spent the rest of the debate just trying to to, to recover. Uh, Since then, Kasich shifted his entire campaign to, I'm not attacking the other candidates, I'm talking about my optimistic future for the country. Uh, And even at last night's debate, uh, Kasich was no more inclined to attack Trump than Ben Carson was. Uh, and one time, in fact, Trump kind of slapped him, uh, and Kasich didn't even respond to that. He it was he was just kind of like you know he made Trump made a comment about the Ohio economy a lot based on being based on oil, and Kasich was like, well, no, no, Donald, and you know he just kind of corrected the, the the information, but did not attack Trump back. And I increasingly see a Trump Kasich ticket as an interesting one for the Republicans because you have. You know, you, the iconoclastic Mr. Trump as the nominee, but you have the more down-to-earth uh, Mr. Kasich, congressional veteran, uh, a guy who can get some of Trump's agenda actually enacted in D.C. I have one final thought for you. As I was watching the debate last night, and I tweeted this, I miss Chris Christie. I miss Chris Christie. And I, I find myself asking myself, Fran, how did he not succeed how did he not do better well you have to remember the republican party is basically a conservative party okay right chris christie is in many ways a more of a moderate i mean notice how jeb bush i mean jeb bush is being criticized for things like um he's not hard enough against illegal immigration he was he was you know he he wasn't outspoken enough against common core uh, you know, which is you know the, the federal government being more involved in education standards and things like that. Um, I mean, it's not like Jeb Bush had a liberal record by any means, but in a conservative party, you've got to be pretty conservative. Um, so another case, another would, another case of New York values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, I mean, and, and that's why Trump's Trump's ability to kind of surf over this is what's got everybody pretty amazed. But anyway, Chris Christie 
Many conservatives are very suspicious of Chris Christie. There, of course, is the famous incident when he embraced Obama just before the 2012 presidential election because he was trying to get Hurricane Sandy aid out of the federal government. But also, you know, he's been um, very defending. You know, he's he's taken a a much softer approach toward Muslims in his state. Uh, He did two or three years ago. Uh, And conservatives remember these kind of things. I think they don't trust Christie. Uh, so he talks a tough game, uh, but they think when he actually governs, he doesn't necessarily govern that way. Fran, thank you for the time. Okay, my pleasure. So there's the interview with Fran Coombs as we recorded it yesterday. Now, I, I talked to him about Chris Christie, and at the end of the interview, I said to um, Scott Guest, who put it all together, I said, Scotty, we don't really need the Christie thing. Let's take it out. Let's make it a shorter interview so I have spent more time with my next guest. So we, we took it out. And, uh, and, and, and as soon as we did that, and we hung up with Fran Coombs, I go on Twitter, nine seconds later, Chris Christie endorses Donald Trump. So it's get that Christie clip back into the, into the interview. So he's a player again, Chris Christie in the, now the Donald Trump camp. When we come back, we'll talk to Mark Feigenbaum, president of Republicans Abroad Canada. What are they doing in this country? American um, Republicans in this country, what are they doing as far as the election in the United States is concerned? There's almost a million Americans living in Canada who will have the right to vote in the November election. We'll come back. Stay with us. <laughs> 